Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We are Spark. FM. Apologies for that silence there. Welcome along the Wise Men Say Show. That Heroes. was the that bliss w- before this. Yeah. Uh, welcome <laughs> along to the Wise Men Say Show here on Spock FM. Um, I'm Stephen Goldsmith. <laughs> I mean, I've been through off by that by that now. Uh, I'm Stephen Goldsmith. I'm with Gareth, Bar- Gareth Barker, who unbelievably is likely to be the positive one tonight. Calmest personified Gareth here. Mm. Yeah? No. <laughs> that was a... Mm. Yes, <laughs> I'm calm too. Maybe a little bit more superficially than I'm letting on. I think Richard Mason is here with us off of the Northern Echo, and he's prepared a massive list f- of potential signings for us, haven't you? Um, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. I made that joke with Kristen and Edge last year. It was crap then as well. I promise that's the last time I do it. Whoever we get in for the summer next year I won't do that. I just try to make it uh, awkward for a couple of seconds. Right, the World Cups came to an end, so we are going to try to get on to Sunderland stuff today um, but we're going to finish with the last ever Andy in and around Zen is it, it going to be the last well, ever well we potentially bring it, we potentially it, it was highly based around Andy Townsend and as he does international coverage ITV coverage doesn't he So I think it's evolved I think it's evolved into something you know bigger the, and better the sky we've ones are better though we've learned to understand um, I'll tell you what I know we, we asked James Hunter this when he was on the other week but I know, a little birdie tells me that uh, Richard has uh, done a little bit of co-commentary in this time as well as some actual commentary. Yes, yes I have. I, um, I started off actually as a as a 17-year-old on, on Sunderland Hospital Radio. Uh, that was, that was Doing the of, Sunderland games? Yeah, I did I did two Sunderland games. I did Sunderland versus Luton in the uh, Worthington Cup. Yeah, the quarter-final. Uh, no, no, no. Oh? No, it was... It was, a, it was the one where Thelwell scored. Yeah, Mr. Paul Thelwell. <laughs> oh, yeah. we did play them in a quarter, League Cup quarter final, did, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a 2001, I think that was. Oh, right, and okay. The other game was the Sunderland for Ipswich one, when Marcus Stewart scored after about 30 yeah. seconds for, for Ipswich. scored a free kick. Yes, and I, I commented on that on that goal. But I've I've also done a bit for uh, for uh, national, uh, not for national, for, for BBC. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking it up here, aren't I? Uh, did a bit for BBC T's a couple of seasons running last season uh, for just for the Hartlepool coverage. So, so I know how easy it is to be kind of yeah to kind of fall into cliche, but but there's a there's a there's a point you have to kind of draw the line at. Mm. That that in itself's a cliche. So there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, we, we you know we've had fun with this over the early part of the summer. We're, basically laugh at commentators and core commentators who basically make a hash of what is a very very difficult job let's be fair but we do the same with politicians and we do the same with footballers so it's all fair game I think can you remember what your commentary for Arga's free kick goal was? I think uh, Arga! Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes less is more isn't it? It, it, was, it was probably it was probably a like this conversation like, <laughs> he won't be able to get it up and over from there and, uh, <laughs> and he has did you say like He's got to be looking to work the goalkeeper, <laughs> like Townsend. Yeah, For me, yeah. Clive, he's got to be working the keeper from there. There, there, there. That's better. The yeah. wall, the wall's got to be doing better than that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all sorts of things like that, banterific kind of. Yeah. Banner. Mm. Shall we play the trailer and then do the bit? Yeah, go. Cool. For that one, having that diagonal ball in and around Jao Pereira, who's a very game right back for Portugal, but he's not the biggest. I still right. feel sorry for Al Pereira, sorry, just because that's going to be the last time if we're going to... Mm-hmm. Just things being in him is it's just an unpleasant <laughs> experience. Like. See, I never thought of it like that, Gareth, so, you know, I don't know how your mind's working, to be honest. Um, right, anyway, <laughs> we just thought we'd, we'd finish on the 
who we thought were good commentators, who we thought were bad commentators. I think just to Actually, sort of I just to wrap the series up. Continue um, with that because somebody sent one in, so you carry on. With okay, that. then you you dig that out, and we'll um, we'll we'll drop that in. But I thought Andy Townsend tore down. He's he's cliche stuff a bit, Richard. Do you? I don't know if. Oh, do you think it's because you we, we done this feature and we were so we were listening for it? It isn't doesn't come as as often as you maybe think. Well, for, for a start, the, the ideal reference point for that would be the World Cup final, which I I don't think I'm the only one that didn't watch it on ITV. Um, no. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry to all our independent television friends, but mm. I, did, I watched it on BBC, so I have no idea of what he said. But I've noticed over the tournament, he was becoming a little bit self-aware. That it was almost like he was throwing things I in there. That. You know, he, he kind of left a gap after one thing when said for me, Clive, afterwards, as if as if he knows. You know, maybe maybe it's a little bit. You know, the whole game that's being played, he might be might have been approached by you know a betting syndicate and. Offered a little bit of money <laughs> just to, you know, just to say a couple of. Uh, yeah, played with him if yeah. that was the case. Yeah, well, you know, these these things can be bought, can't they? But, but uh, allegedly. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. <laughs> always, yes. Yes. sorry. Yes. Always <laughs> allegedly, everything allegedly. Yeah, Mark Lawrenson still seems to resent just being there, doesn't he? It's almost like he's like, oh, I can't believe I've been asked to do this for a job. I can't believe I've got this. I'm, I'm doing this for a living. It's like almost like something out of Labyrinth, where he's been kind of span around and put into this other world, and, and he resents everything about it. Yeah. That he'd rather be kind of painting, a, painting his fence back at home or something, mm. and he's been sat in the middle of a, a football stadium with eighty thousand people around him, and he doesn't know what's happening. Just a one sexist remark from him for the uh, <laughs> for <laughs> the <laughs> tournament. He strained himself. <laughs> so on Townsend, actually, what I quite enjoyed, I noticed that you know gullies. Spinning into gullies, players are spinning into gullies, but running into channels. Never, never mix that up. Gullies and channels. Gullies and channels. Don't you don't spin into channels. You spin into gullies, and you don't mm. run into gullies. I can't remember coming across channels. gullies in, in any of the coaching no, rooms I've ever, yeah, ever been well, in. To be they, they exist on the football pitch because uh, Townsend's located. Then maybe they need like a gully graphic on the the technical stuff, and they can like drop that in where the. Uh, the, gu- the gully may appear on the football pitch. I did notice uh, on Irish television, um, they're for the third and fourth place playoffs. They've got I don't know what the, can't remember what the name of the show is, but they've got a um, like a football comedy program over there, and they football did, crack. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not to grossly stereotype uh, the Irish nation, but um, it probably is called something like that. And um, they they handed over the coverage of the game to. To the every time there's a third and fourth place playoff, they're handed over to this commentary, this comedy group, and they do the coverage. So sort of, I think one of them does an impression of Kenny Cunningham, and like they analyze a game and do ridiculous stuff with graphics and things. There's a video on YouTube somewhere, but can you do an impression of him doing an impression? No, of I can't. Kenny I, can't I only saw it once, and uh, my Irish impression isn't uh, isn't the best. Well, that's that implies that I'm a. Uh, Good at other impressions. <laughs> no, people who've listened to the flat now know, yeah, uh, know yeah. otherwise. But um, I think just a couple of more to mention. Clark Carlisle sort of, you know, he sort of fluctuated, didn't he? Sometimes he was good, sometimes he was bad. But what we can definitely um, be sure of is that he, he shoehorned words from his extensive vocabulary wherever possible, didn't he? Unnecessary words. You pointed a couple of them yeah, out he before. Yeah, he perpendicular angles. Yeah, um, was a particular highlight. He's just living off that success of winning that that TV show, isn't it? Mm. You know, when he when he when he, when he got crowned in. Britain's brainiest football, he's just living off that, isn't it? He feels almost feels obliged to drop some of these words in. It's an insult, to even some of the the more more stupid footballers that I've I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting <laughs> over the years. But he, he just seems to be I don't know. He just seems seems to completely turn to cardboard when he's on when he, when you hear him anyway. When you look at him, you think oh yeah, he seems to know a bit. But when you hear him, it's just oh crikey. He was good on Question Time. Remember he was on Question Time once, and he was really good. Um, and he's actually quite good in the studio, but yeah, he's eloquent enough, isn't he? Well, yeah. well spoken enough. Well, I think, yeah, well that's it. That's the problem. He goes, yeah, he takes it too far the other way, yeah. doesn't he? And um, he'd be making his own cliches yeah. up, won't he? And provi- providing the, yeah. a book for Andy Townsend. Imagine if they sort of teamed Carlisle up with Peter Drury, which would be, you know, the man who basically scripts his entire commentary before <laughs> he goes on. Um, did, did you see what happened to him? No, I didn't. he was. He was. I think he was doing some commentary for another another TV channel, and uh, during the the Argentina Holland penalties, Dirk uh, Kout scored, and he just went the Netherlands. Left <laughs> <laughs> a massive gap as if they'd won. On the <laughs> other yeah, no, Oh dear! Was See, brilliant. It was brilliant. He went movie. off. He, you know the script. Yeah, but he leaves like a twenty second gap. Then yeah. he'll come in with it. You'll have some sort yeah. of 
but, but one Three, criticism yeah, you always sorry. read of, of modern commentators is that they don't know when to be silent so maybe he was just yeah. taking that in the yeah. extreme as well he went too Til- early Tilsey Til- went the other way during one game I, th- I, I was off I'd gone I thought I thought the TV had like, oh, I fell asleep closed <laughs> off because he left about a la- about a 30 mm. second gap in between in between kind of sorting something out yeah. maybe they just had a, a slight technical <laughs> yeah. problem like we did at the beginning yeah. of the show yeah, yeah. that was what <laughs> That, that, was that was it. Was a new feature with yeah, before the yeah. intro. It was the bit yeah. of um, that <laughs> game where nobody said anything, and that—that's the real. That's the, the real reason there was a silence at the beginning of but the show. Do you want the one that this um, Dawson's Dawson Pies is the at Dawson Pies on Twitter? Yeah, um, that sounds like advertising. I don't know if it. Is. I don't yeah. think it is. I just think he enjoys pies, and his <laughs> name is Dawson. Right. Okay. Um, and his was uh, on the American coverage. Uh, Steve McManaman just said in and around. And I thought you guys would appreciate that. Yeah, well, that wasn't so, a really new one. That, that was the whole point of the show. No, but McManaman, it's the fact is McManaman's gone in with it. Mm. On a, you know, so is that an, an, Ameri- around, an American show? On American show, show yeah. Okay. So in, a, in and around, across the He's pond. He's taking it across that, the pond. Yeah. That's potential like kind of virus territory. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I think one thing as well that people will always remember about the company in this particular World Cup is the game where Jonathan Pierce. Um, failed to grasp the goal line technology and that's going to be remembered for years and he also thought France had scored later on in the same game with a yeah. missed shot and he got all excited <laughs> and it was only when Martin Keown kind of just calmly said they didn't yeah. go in Jonathan yeah. so I think that's going to be one of the comedy performances remembered I think that that was brilliant because he just he did compa- compound it didn't he it just exacerbated the whole thing he kind of like went in with this the, the goal line technology <laughs> thing and then sort of was floundering and then followed it up with that about 10 minutes later and just broke the internet I think for about 20 minutes that's when that's when Twitter came into its own it was yeah. just mm. <laughs> like some of his response I, at the same time Richard Keyes was tweeting saying that he did had a different angle that was hilarious that was yeah. because at first he kind of dismissed it he said that didn't yeah. go in at any time and he even I think he might have even put them as individual words with a full stop to try and yeah. highlight yeah. and try and amplify his point and then just calmly later five minutes later oh it actually did go in we've looked at yeah. it from a different angle I've yeah. got a different angle yeah great. What, what angle is that because, the, what, because the angle it, but it was because yeah. he was saying oh, I told I told you this was flawed this technology was flawed that ball didn't go yeah. in any time. That just made it even funnier. Yeah. And he's like, oh, by the way, it did, yeah. Okay, it might not be flawed. Right. Uh, who was the best? Do we think Danny Murphy for me? Anybody got any anything else to add to that? Um, think any alternatives? The actual commentator, you've got to, again, go with Mowbray. I think Mowbray's the, mm. the standout for me, Clive. You don't, <laughs> look, you don't look sure, Richard? No, no, no. I, I, I kind of have to say that, but because yeah, we see quite a lot of him in the air. In the press room, so we have to kind of say, but no, he is. He is. I mean, he's he's been around for a while, and he's and he used to do Sunderland, which helps. Well, helps for us. Yeah, yeah. He, he kind of worked. He's worked his way up as well, yeah. and and you can kind of you can understand why he's why he's number one, but there doesn't seem to be anyone close. You know, when you had yeah. Watson and Davies, and then uh, his face on the other channel, Brian Moore on the other channel, then you had a, you had a real kind of pantheon of of commentating greats. But now you've got Guy Mowbray. I always thought yeah, I always thought Motten was sort Over, of well, on reputation like it was a reputation. Yeah. I think Davies familiar Davies familiar was, yeah, familiar with his voice, well, yeah. And he it was almost like his comedy style was um you know, such it is such a thing that you you would draw it would draw attention. Um mm. with this obviously the stats and stuff like that they used to just obviously drop in you know, obviously had screeds of stats for every player. Um I thought Dave, like it was a real shame that Barry Davies sort of decided to sort of knock it on the head because he was never going to get the opportunity to do um, sort of regular finals and things like that. Right, so just finally then. Sorry, no, no. Core commentator favorite. Well, I guess I we'll have to go with um, have to go with Murphy. Oh yeah, Richard, Phil Neville. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go with Murphy because I, I, I think he was. He's quite good on Five Live anyway. Um, other radio stations are available, sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, he's quite good. I've, I've kind of been a fan of his for a while, so I'm going to go with, with him. I think we're all happy with that. Right, we are going to talk about Sunderland um, and <laughs> the lack of news kicking about. I think we're going to try and uh, milk something out of that. Um, but we're going to go to the flat now. Gareth, do you want to ease our listeners into well, uh, to the context the of this? Um, the, the, it's... 
Yates and Bruce and Pardew who are living <laughs> in the flat <laughs> Don't together. sound too enthusiastic. In, uh, on the quay side, they've been there a couple of weeks now and Sam Allardyce was there last week and they didn't really explain the, the backstory from last week. So yeah, um, this is episode three of a six-part series. So enjoy. Last week on The Flat, the unsuccessful integration of Big Sam Allardyce leads Alan and Steve to continue their search for the right flatmate. Big Sam's sheer arrogance was just too much for the Geordie Tucson and he was unceremoniously dumped. Sam would argue he left with his pride intact. He certainly left with sacks and sacks of gravy. Now Steve is offering up a risky alternative. You know, Alan, maybe a man Sam was just too safe of an option. Sometimes you need to take a risk in this situation, otherwise we'll end up having our backsides kicked yet again. That's for sure. But sometimes when you, you take a risk on a maverick, you end up straggling and tired of dealing with the problems. Look at that, him. I prefer to go with a safer option. A true Geordie gentleman. Someone like Shawler. Don't get me wrong. I love a striker, as you well know. Absolutely. But maybe we need to give someone with a bit of fire in the old belly. Someone who needs a second chance. Someone who knows all about the pressures of the northeast, especially over at Sunland. You know? But who've you got in mind? Let me make a few phone calls, because my fax machine is broken. Steve makes the all-important call. When the door knocks, Alan can't believe the risk Steve has taken. That'll be him. I'll get it. Oh, no. Hello, Alan. Is it me? A Paolo? In spite of Steve's delight at the flat's new acquisition, Alan remains unconvinced. Well, I'm struggling with the idea, to be honest. Obviously, the first time we met, we didn't get off to the best of starts when he gave me a slap round the chops. Then we lost the game because we was tired from the Thursday, then playing on the Sunday, and then we was having the injuries. He could have been a little more respectful of the situation. Plus, the carpet in here looked tired enough already. We can't be having him knee sliding around the place. We'll lose our deposit for a start. But it's not only Alan who was less than impressed. Paolo's early impressions are not good at all. I take a look around in here. Is it not good? You have the Steve. He is asleep until 11 in the morning. He is a sloth. The face looks like it's been stung by a thousand bees. And he has an allergic reaction. The diet is not good. The seven packets of the, the sausage roll, bad for the body. With the Paolo de Cano, but it is processed food and fat into his body? Paolo would not. I do not accept it. He's unprofessional. Don't even get me started on the condiment situation. And then there is Alan himself with the hair gel and a thin t-shirt in this weather in the north. He think he is a pretty boy when he should be concentrating on being professional. He's always said to me, I am tired, I am struggling. Is a Paolo tired of struggling? Of course not. A proper diet and a proper rest is what is important. It's about the passion, a desire, a quality. If you don't have these things, then you cannot expect to achieve in life. In your job, Twenty-eight minutes later. And this is only beginning. You have to start now. And when an eagle swoop and catches the prey with talon for the purpose of feeding a family, then it drops the prey into the sea. The family starve. The eagle has failed itself. It has failed its family. His family die. Paolo always makes sure his talent is sharp. His wingspan is great. His long capacity is strong. 14 minutes later, and not one single person has any clue what Paolo is going on about. Is it difficult? Yes. Of course he's difficult. But Paolo would not accept the easy challenge. I change everything. After Paolo's 53-minute rant, even Steve is starting to have serious reservations about Paolo's tenure in the flat. Well, you know, I've dealt with some of the world's top players. And as a result, your top egos, your Dougrees, your Jans... Not to mention your DJ Campbells of this world, but Paolo, well, 
The lad is off the scale, that's for sure. I don't mind different personalities. The lad certainly brings that to the table. But I also believe in second chances, and I felt the boy deserved one. Especially after what happened down at Sunderland, and I can relate to that, no doubt about it. But the boy's gone too far. This morning he's gone and turfed four packets of hobnobs, you know. I won't be having it. But nothing could prepare Steve for what would happen next. Alan, what in God's name's going on? I'm packing. We was being kicked out by Paolo. What? He can't be doing that. That's outside of his authority, no doubt about it. He says he wants ready. He's going to bring in his own flatmates in, who understand his philosophy because we were struggling to get it. He's tired of us. It turns out that Paolo lost it after some unsavoury dinner table antics, instigated by an unaware Steve Bruce. And when you come out together for dinner, and you prepare a meal for everybody, made it with a love, with a passion, the desire, and then a Steve, he come in, he sit down, he look at this salad, the quality ingredient. Then he retract his head, he's unacceptable. I don't expect to be treated like a, a chef Ramsay or Oliver, but this behaviour is not professional. It's time for revolution. Unbeknown to Paolo, Steve has a plan to counter this so-called revolution. Come on, Alan. This is our place, no doubt about it. You can't just come in and change everything just like that. Absolutely. We won't be having it. I won't be hounded out again. Like I was down at Sunderland, I'm calling the landlord. Steve makes the call, and after an emergency meeting between himself, Alan and the landlord, Paolo is unceremoniously dumped out of the flat after just five days. Is it typical of the modern flatmate? The lack of the commitment, the desire, the passion, and the quality is unacceptable. They just want good enough to live in a flat with me. They do not understand the philosophy that the Paolo bring give me the time I bring a success to the flat I will be back but at a better flat with a better flatmate and the right philosophy the whereabouts of Paolo de Canio are currently unknown he truly believes he'll be given another chance in a top quality flat somewhere else the reality of the situation is that he'd probably have to move into a maisonette in Slough alone and begin to repair his reputation. As for Steve and Alan, the search for their elusive flatmate continues. We'll be back to the flat next week. Um, a third one, three out of six, we're up now. Yeah, we'll probably have the first four and then there'll be a little bit of a break because we need to re-record the fifth one. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then we'll start the season. Um, We'll, we'll do the last two. I'll put them up on SoundCloud and you can ignore them. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, we're going to try and get on to Sunderland stuff now. Um, it's been eerily quiet on the transfer front. Um, two things amplify this, Richard, I think. The three signings we've made were made some time ago now. Um, and the high transfer activity 11 miles up the road is highlighting the lack of activity here as well. People are starting to get a little bit worried on a scale of sitting back smoking a cigar to rocking backwards and forwards, dripping with fear-induced sweat. How worried should Sunderland fans be, do you think? <laughs> uh, you've, got to, you've got to invent sorry. your own scale now, so yeah, that's putting you on the spot. It's got to be somewhere between the two. I mean, I can understand why people are feeling a little bit, a little bit kind of worried, especially what's going on at Newcastle. And, you know, these things, these things happen. I mean, Newcastle have... Have moved quickly, and they've they've obviously had these targets for a while, and it seems that everything's a little bit more ad hoc over this side of the border. And it's you know the the, the list that Newcastle had. You know we we always knew about Cabela, we always knew about um, Jan Matt. Well, we, we've known about Jan Matt for a bit, and you, you kind of understand these signings being made. But with Sunderland, those names haven't been bandied around recently, and and you know Newcastle are a lot a lot further down the line in terms of. Their, their scouting network, you know, mm. they they haven't made massive changes to their scouting network like Sunderland have, and with the the appointment of Lee Congat, who's still fresh in the job, he's only you know six months into it. Mm. It's important, Gareth. Early days. Yes, yeah, so it's important, Gareth, as well, Lord, to to mention that the three signings that have come in, even though they're out of contract, they all went pretty much under the radar, didn't they? I mean, they were <coughs> literally, you know, they were literally here suddenly. I, yeah. I I can't remember any any journalist or reading anything who had an inclination about 
not any of those signings. I think there've been a few rumblings about Pantillimon, maybe. Um, nothing about yeah, Jones. Yeah, okay, aside of um, Outveil players more so, yeah. And Gomez was a bit of a shock as well. Well, a shock, I guess. Maybe it's a bit of a, a surprise, but um, I think you know, last se- last year in the summer it was a you know a completely different situation. Um, even though Tacanio came in with with Defanti, he still felt as though it was a bit. It was just still a bit unstable because of the nature of the the team that were behind putting the squad together, and you know you you had a situation there where every day you seem to sign another player, um, and obviously the links to the Italian press maybe meant that things got leaked. Um, I think maybe Defanti was maybe a bit looser with information than than other people would have liked, or other people are currently at the club. So I think. It's just a, it, I'm 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 okay about it. Um, I'll be worried in two weeks if the situation's still the same. Mm. But I just don't think there's any point in worrying about it now. I do like Richard was talking about Newcastle then, and I, I do feel as though the that situation, you know, puts does it's it's because it's it's shoved down your throat every day on on the internet or whatever in the local press about these players and they're coming in and they're going to do this and that. It's naturally going to have an naturally, effect, Naturally, yeah. Sunderland Sports, well, they've got these signings. You know, what about ours? It's almost comparative to being addicted to some sort of, you know, television shopping channel. You know, you you want to buy stuff and it's not the actual item. It's the, the thrill of receiving it in the post. And I think sometimes it gets that way with a transfer window where you don't care who you buy as long as you're buying something because it's this thrill of, like, a player's linked. Are we going to get him? The player arrives. You know, we had it with... Last scene with Virginia watch and Scott Go watch and mm. um, Peruzzi watch it's and all that on Twitter and Twitter and people get excited about it and it's this whole idea that the transfer in was like a reality television program and it, you know it's twenty four seven all you know on the news <coughs> and on the on the internet um, and it's you know people I think you just if you buy into it you, you can get um, sucked in and you start wondering it feels as though everyone's buying everybody but when you look at it think Villa and is it West Ham today maybe you've signed five players up to now Sunderland have signed three yeah it's been quite quite um generally though Richard hasn't it I mean Newcastle was said have moved early there I know that um Chelsea have made a couple of signings but there isn't there doesn't seem to be loads of movement people always say say this happens in a world cup year world cup year anywhere but mm. it isn't like every other single club around us is strengthening sort of significantly really is it no no I mean it is it is you know, it's two weeks in into the transfer window opening, and there's you know there's still going to be clubs that need to show their hand. And they always say it every year that you know one or two signings is going to open the floodgates. I, I, I seem to think that that maybe Sunderland are waiting for something with Barini, um, and if they can get him in, maybe build build around that. You know, because that that if they sign Barini or not, that would dictate a lot. Mm. Their transfer transfer budget really because you know there's that much money knocking around. Do you not just feel like Barini will be one if it happens? It'll be late August thirty first. Liverpool are going to want all their business done yeah. inwards. You would have thought before the consider letting somebody like Barini go. You would have thought. You'd think with the with the Lambert and the the Chan and and the other sign and the La 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 you know, you're not going to get the chances here. Go to Sunderland where you will mm-hmm. get the chances where he seems to seem to be enjoying life here anyway. He always seemed happy when whenever we spoke to him. So, so if he wants to, he obviously wants to come. And if they can do the deal, but if if they're waiting until August 31st for that, that that's quite worrying because that's quite a large chunk of the transfer budget that he'd have to spend mm-hmm. on him. And Would he come on loan again? That that's what yeah. I think. I've got a feeling that if he comes, it'll be a loan on the last day, on the last day. Similar to the Evans situation at Manchester. I'm not United. sure. I think Liverpool are signing forward players, and I think they would they would likely if they thought they could receive. You know, some of the figures are getting brandished about Richard, like nine, eight, nine, ten million quid. You know, has he he cost what eleven million? Mm. And it's kind of you know you you, you kind of think they'd be prepared to cut the losses. Maybe if it's, if it's just to the extent of one or two million quid, that's just you know me going on a working on a hunch there I don't, I don't know I just think that I don't really feel as a desire from Liverpool to sell him and I don't really feel as a desire from the player to, to move from Liverpool no he seems happy enough you to know, try there doesn't yeah, he because he wants to yeah that's true wants to make a success of it so if the players if the players not pushing for it and the club aren't you know 
well, it's a pl- it's a club are going to be competing in four competitions. Then they'll probably think, well, if you're happy to stay and we don't need to sell you because we don't need the cash, then you know, there's no they don't need to get rid of him. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. And that, I think that, that could be the thing, and, and that's why I feel as though it might end up being a, a loan um, on, the last, on the last day or something. If to say to them, listen, they've managed to bring somebody else in, you're not gonna you're not gonna have an opportunity to you know, to, to move to, to get in the side regularly. Are you happy with that? And if he says no then mm, I think back to Lake Hungerton, Richard, it's I don't know if you if you're aware, Sunland have, have put something out on their official site an interview with Lake Hungerton that's just went live within the last hour or so. I think is that telling that they're you know, because he's came on and, you know, he didn't really say much. He's just the soundbite you would expect me here. We're working on a few things and, you know, we're trying to get things over the line. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's telling that the club have, have sensed the anxiety almost maybe with the fans and that they're just, right, let's put something out there to try and just calm people down? Well, they, they have that, you know, they have that communication link with the fans, with, with Twitter, with Facebook. You know, you can see, I, I follow them on on both platforms, you know, just out of, out of kind of journalistic duty, just to see what they what they what they kind of do online, and you can see the responses are never never that complimentary. You know, there's something earlier about season ticket, and someone said, "I'm going to buy a season ticket when you buy a player." Kind of thing. getting all <laughs> angry about it. And it, it. Gareth's right to an extent; they do seem to have a clamour. Sunderland fans and also fans of other, other football clubs have a clamour for these for these signings. Anyone through the door, if you know it was last year, there, there seemed to be hysteria about players that. None of them will have ever seen him play. Like, maybe you, may, you might have seen Gabral play in one of the one of the Europa League yeah, games against Tottenham or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, <coughs> but he outside didn't of Twitter, the last stages of the competition, well, when a lot go. of people would have seen him play. Yeah, someone said the other day that the day that they thought he looked good for Basel, then they realised they were watching a, a different player. <laughs> they were watching, uh, I think it was Witzel who, <laughs> who plays for them. <laughs> they realised, oh, great, we've got the wrong one. And maybe, maybe that's what Sunderland did. Yeah, well. like Nunes all over I again. Went Milton Nunes all over again, yeah. That was but a it, funny situation. Do you think, um, regarding Congerton again, is, is, is it a possibility set himself an unrealistic task? By that, I mean... He came out and diagnosed what he thinks are the problems in the squad, and he he said to us, you know, when he when he spoke to us, he said he wanted young, hungry players, but with Premier League experience for a good price. Now that all sounds great, doesn't it? But how easy is that to do realistically? I mean, everybody would want players who, you know, if you've got a tick list, those factors will be on your tick list for every for every club. You would have thought, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, the the problem is when when a footballer plays in the Premier League, it adds. Well, exactly, a, yeah. A, a that knocks unreal- the unrealistic level. Of, that knocks of the, value. the the decent price thing off straight away, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and you know they, they say that now there's more money in in the game from the the extended TV deal. That more clubs, the smaller clubs, the likes of Hull, the likes of, of you know like the likes of Sunderland to an extent, can wield a bit more in the in the transfer market. It just means that the players are going to get more expensive, and you can see that with eight million for for Robert Snodgrass, who I think is a good player. And he would be something that a player that Sunderland would would benefit from having this, the services of. You wouldn't excite people, but he'd <coughs> put in 100%. Mm. But for £8 million... Pounds, yeah, ludicrous. And it's the same with, with Jake Livermore as well. He's, he's, he's you know, he, before going to Hull, he hadn't had that much Premier League experience behind him. Yeah, he's moved for, for a large amount of money. Ross McCormick, a division down too. Yeah, well, that, 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 you know, I've, mm. I've, I've said my... Said my bit on that. Yeah, well, we're gonna um, <laughs> eleven million. We're gonna uh, break this up. Come back and talk more about Sunderland. We were gonna speak to Christian Henedge about the Matt Besler link, the US 
um, centre half, but we don't believe we don't believe there's anything yeah. in that now. Well, so you just don't ever know. But he looked excellent in the World Cup, to be fair. He but did, but we, yeah, it would just be yeah. we, we like to stay stay clear of speculation, and we have been told there's nothing in that. So um, we're going to listen now to David Fairley from Everton. He's our Everton blogger. We speak to um, good speaker, Dave. You should enjoy this. We're just asking again. We we do this every week. Ask about the aspirations um, and hopes for the season. Okay, David, first of all, delighted with last season. We established that when we played you at the, the back end of last year. What's your thoughts um, going into the summer now? You're hoping to make you hoping to make the Lukaku deal permanent? What what kind of players does Roberto have his eye on at the moment? I think nice one for inviting me back, by the way. I always like coming on your, your thing. It's always sense. So I can talk sense with football fans, I'll talk sense with them all day. <laughs> and thank you. But yeah, eh, last season was a dream like the song says the Beto had a dream we all had a dream but the point was I'm, I'm good with it I do expect the Catholic to come to be honest <clears throat> but I expect about six or seven because last year was the foundation year last year was about saying we we were alive we, we were back well, this year is the establishment year and we've got to go to Europe and play Thursday, Sunday Thursday, Sunday till at least after Christmas probably January at, at the earliest so from that that point he'll address that because our squad is like paper thin he spread it and spread it and spread it and spread it and we hit the reason we didn't get into the Champions League is because we lost Delafu, Barkley Lukaku and all the rest of the forward players Morales in January February and then we came back and had a little run at the end and picked it up and got and got fifth but this time well, them holes will appear in November they won't appear in January because of the amount of games so yeah I expect them to take a few to be honest I think you mentioned um, your squad being paper thin there and I think from an outside point of view there's, there's, this, there's this perception that Everton get a lot of loan players in so like I say if you're going to like you've just mentioned there you need to strengthen your own squad so if it's, mm-hmm. it's important that the players Roberto bring in, brings in permanently are to a high level isn't it because it's important that you maybe not kick on but certainly stabilise from the season you had last year you don't want to be um you don't want to be having a poorer season, do you? So it's important that the players you bring in are of a good standard, equally good standard. Absolutely, but again, I would say <clears throat> it's a trust issue because he spent £13 million on James McCarthy last year for a kid who'd just been relegated. And I know thousands of top who turned down and said, what is he doing? Yeah, at the end of the season, we're saying, oh my God, we only paid a quarter of what he's worth. That's what it's about. It's about him saying to us, Listen, you might not like the look of this. I'll, I'll give you one. Aruna Coney. Aruna Coney, again, everyone went, Aruna Coney. So Aruna Coney now has already been an Everton player. He's been injured for 12 months. But him and Gibson will come back in. I'll, I'll also throw McGeady into that as well because he never had a pre-season last year. So we didn't see the best of him. So we've got those three players before we start are going to be like new buys to us. He will then add the six into that. There might be, I think you might, your Sunderland, you know what this is like. Sometimes Moyes was, was, was renowned for it buying a player who could play two positions better than he could play one, if you see what I mean. Yeah. He was a better he was a bit of a full back and a bit of a centre half, but he was neither nah, he was he wasn't international standard in either of the discipline. Yeah, I think you'll find you might might find a couple of them. Because honestly this season we might have to go sideways to go forward because First of all, we need to learn to play in Europe. This group of players with those kids, with John Stones and McCarthy and Seamus and all of that, Barkley, needs to be together. They need to know how to win away from home. They need to know how to draw away from home. And they need to know how to come back from a defeat away from home in Europe. And that's going to take time. I, I mean, I, I understand that you, you can appreciate that because you're a, you're a sensible fan. Do you think? Um, <laughs> do you think there's a worry that... I mean, I mentioned to you there in, in the previous question, I said it's important yeah. that you don't have to necessarily kick on, but you need to stabilise, men and you need to maintain what you done last year, yeah, have a yeah, similar yeah. sort of season. What Do you think, though, that there's perhaps false expectations among some of the fan group? I mean, it happens to us all, doesn't it? Yeah, there has been. It's like, you're in, it's like the honeymoon period. However, if you look beyond that, it, I am a little bit sensible. I, I'm, I'm kind of a bit lazy. I think that, that comes <laughs> with that, but to be honest with you, and I don't like this X factor thing about you've got to love them or hate them. There's no middle ground. But with this fella, I think he's serious. He wants to be manager of Barcelona one day. He really does. He's from there. It, it, it's been ambition. His ambition since he's been a boy. Well, in order to get there, he's got to impress them enough to give them the job. 
So in order to do that, he's got to do something in this league right now, serious, like win something or really get close to winning something big, honestly. And he, I'll give you an example. I always tell Copites this story. We had David Moyes, who was who was the, who was the great hope of British managers for a decade, right? In 2009 or 10, he oversaw the building Finch Farm, which is our new training facility. Okay, so he leaves and goes to Man United last summer. Now, a fella who we just appointed doesn't speak our languages and just been relegated from the Premier League. He walks into Finch Farm, this brand new state-of-the-art facility, walks in the door and says, where's the sleeping facilities? And they looked at him and went, you want sleeping facilities? you insane. Why do we want to have free sleeping facilities? Because he said, because when we're in Europe next year and we play in Portugal, we'll be playing at half past 10 at night. Sometimes we'll be playing at 12 o'clock in, on a Saturday morning. So I want them in. I'll train them. I'll warm them down and I want them in bed. And now, this week, I think, or last week, they were finishing the sleeping quarters in Finch Farm. That's what he does. He sees the big picture. And it might not, he might not get there this season, but we'll get towards it this season. You'll see, they will see, these fans will see tangible progress. Four games in last year, everyone's saying he didn't have a clue because he had a midfield of Fellaini, Gibson and Osman who weren't fit for purpose. They were, that was Moyes' midfield in his system. So it'll take time and he'll work around it and he'll do things. Look what he's done with this stand. This stand can't pass a ball. And he was centre-half for most of the season in the most attacking passing the ball side in the Premier League this is what this fella does I think uh, we were speaking last week about future potential England managers and how the FA like to sort of you know suddenly yeah, they yeah. want to go yeah. English don't they but we were saying that Martinez are you and, and, and Poyet here as well because there's some parallels between aye, the two right? it'll be interesting if, if one of them got touted for the jobs in a couple of years wouldn't it? because they have the the English public will probably accept them because they've played they've played they've managed in England and they speak English and they live here and what what, what would you think about that? Obviously you're an Everton you're an Everton fan, but if you can try and put your England hat on. No, no, yeah, no, I can see the point. I can see the logic in it. What I would say is that they outperform the Eng- there is no English contenders when you put them up against them. There is none because they outperform them. So basically, they've got to be considered because there is no opposition because they are better than anything we've got at the moment they are better than it so therefore if you're the FA it doesn't matter who you are but if you're the FA you've got to look at them mm. Jesus you've got to look at them it's the, it's the we've been impressed that's what I'm saying about Moyes I like Moyes I have no problem with Moyes but this fella has been honestly he, everything he touches he benefits in this club everything whether it's people whether it's the academy whether it's the transfer the training the team the method of playing the fans honestly it's everything so yeah, if that's how it's going to be, I'm signed on me. When news or draw, I'm signed on. Okay, thanks to David. There, um, we're going to finish up. Just carry on from where we where we left off there. Just to mention anybody listening live that Crystal Palace are winning twelve one. Like who against Curve? That means you're uh, G A K Gratz. Mm. You can't read anything in the French, of course, because Sunderland. Won about twelve yeah, against, against the Hotel Eleven staff yeah. or something, didn't they? Hotel Staff Eleven this, last year, didn't they? This means that they'll be bottom at Christmas. <laughs> oh, sorry, bottom after five games, no points. That's and they'll all be complaining about Pulis's style of management, style of football. Yeah, mm. yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Would we? Right, okay, and um, we're going to listen. I to would se- be actually. <laughs> would, would you? I wouldn't. <laughs> right, we're going to listen to the second of our um, uh, second of the pre-records just in a bit. We'll just finish off the. The transfer targets, um, talk and stuff there. Staying, we, we, we mentioned the, the link to the American centre-half, Matt Bezler, there. We need a centre-half, a Richard. Um, Ashley Williams was a primary target. Felt a little predictable, that one. Did you ever really think that was going to come off? Because, uh, you know, f- from very early on, I, I thought, you know, th- I questioned whether he was uh, looking look using us for a, a new contract. He he was quite held. He was held good in quite high regard there. So it was obviously they wanted him to stay, uh, which also always makes it a bit difficult. Didn't seem to be any kind of agitations for him to want to move. Um, I couldn't see any benefit from moving from exactly, from Swansea yeah. to Sunderland, um, so, as well as being geographically a long way from to go. It's also he would see that, and his agent would see that, and all you know, every uh, fans of both clubs probably see that as a bit of a sideways step. Um, 
maybe that, that, that may be a bit controversial, but in terms of no, the Premier I think, League, yeah, I think you're right in, yeah. in the context of the current Premier League. Yeah, no, in the, the one, I, the one I, I was surprised at was was Kolka, Kolka leaving leaving Cardiff and moving on. You know that. Close. Has he gone to Palace? Has he? I, I can't remember. Where he has went. he gone has yet? He I gone? don't think he's gone. I don't think he's gone. Has, yet, has he, he not gone? Right? I don't think you know, so. There's players like that. that Northern Negro journalist. I'll be watching match of the year in the first game of the season. He signed for them. <laughs> yeah, there's always one of them yeah. springs up, isn't it? Joe the first Cole. game of the season. Joe yeah, Cole signed for Aston Villa. Yeah. Yes. That, 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 that was, was ages ago. Exactly. <clears throat> but you know the, the whole Jordi Gomez thing. I keep forgetting that that's on the side. I am actually. You know, so the point where he'll come on, they'll be like, who's he? Mm. <laughs> I don't think it'd be coming on at this rate. It'd definitely, <laughs> almost certainly yeah, be starting. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, the well, not you personally, Richard, but the Northern Echo mentioned that centre forwards might be on the agenda for Sunderland. I don't think that's a position we immediately thought of Gareth when strengthening. But I guess, I guess it it depends who's closest. You know, you can still sign a centre forward and sign other players as well. But were you surprised by that? Do you think there's much in that, Richard? I think if you if you strip out Nacho Escoco and uh, as expected, leave, leaving Sunderland, did he? Then, then you look at the fact that you know Danny Graham's not long for this world. I don't, he's not. He's not going to die. I just mean he's going to be. He look, he's, they're looking. He, I don't think he's got a future at Sunderland. I think. I think he knows that as much as as much as the club do. Uh, and the fact that there's been no contact between him and and, and the club uh, over over the last last well, last while, I'm sure he'll be training with them. But before that, you know, there was no seem. There was no no communication. So once you take away those two players, you, you've got Conor Wickham, Stephen Fletcher, and out the door. So and I, I would want as one a, more. As maybe. I would want one or two more. You need you need four or five strikers. Um, even if you are playing a lone striker, you need that kind of kind of competition in, it, in it, and around the team. Yeah, I guess it depends. Um, <laughs> we should have we should have a little. Um, what kind of player he's? You know, he's looking at. I mean, when if you listen to the Lee Congdon interview on the on the official website. He, Kind of, it, we we picked up on it straight away. Both of us, this sort of um, sort of uh, what what was the word that we used? I can't think of with my brain at the moment. <laughs> um, sort of like psychologically straight away when he's talking about teams who've yeah, done well at the World Cup. Subconsciously, yeah. First team he mentioned was Costa Rica. Yeah, we thought it was interesting because um, he was talking about World Cup players. Um, and he says, you know, some players from certain World Cup teams stand out, Costa Rica and, um, you know, others. And that was the only team he mentioned. There's yeah. probably nothing in that. And we have but we've be, been linked, haven't we? We've been linked with Gonzalez. Yeah. The whole of Costa Rica. Been linked with, uh, <laughs> yeah. Been linked with Gonzalez, the centre-back, and obviously that's an area where they're looking. Mm. And, um, obviously, um, Ruiz, who would play in behind. Um, Is he not signed for somebody? I, I, I don't thought think him, so. Has he not? And seen him heavily linked with somebody. Also, um, I think the one that you'll hear loads about in the transfer window, and I imagine he'll probably be linked with a loan move to about 75% of the Premier League, will be uh, Joel Campbell. I think he'll just be that'll be the lazy link. So and so interested in taking taking Campbell on. Loan. That would make sense, though, the Joel Campbell one, wouldn't it? Because he's he, he's been getting applauded late last yeah. season. He away for cup as well, and then in the World Cup, so. If Arsene Wenger wants to see what he's like in the Premier League, it would be logical for him to, for him to do that, wouldn't and it? And Costa Rica, to be fair, played with a one up front and they, they kind of held the ball, um, passed it a bit like, you know, Poyet style, so maybe that's a, an area you can uh, he was linked. You know, look at. He was linked with Newcastle, I don't know if there was anything in that. I was just paper talking. I don't know if you guys had anything uh, to do with that, Richard. I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> one, thing I w- one thing I would say is that I'd be, I'd, I'd be reluctant to. to Take anything from players that have played well in the World Cup. Yeah, it's a very, absolutely. very small, yeah, very small sample size of you know five or yeah. six games. If, if you've got that that far, you know. On the back of the World Cup, you wouldn't sign Messi. Well, yeah, we could play the tournament. <laughs> I know, but at, well, <laughs> somehow, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Okay, we're gonna, we're, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna li- listen to the second of our pre-records now. Jamie Smith um, is a blogger, and he has his own Burnley podcast, No Man Never. I think that's called. We caught up with him earlier. To speak about the guy, um, the team from Turf Moor. Here, Jimmy, can you just give me and all of our listeners a little, a little background on Burnley's season? Then, because I mean, although Burnley came up, it's probably you know they, they weren't expected to do that well last season, were they? So it's kind of caught everybody by surprise, and people probably don't know a lot about them, uh, you know, in comparison to Leicester or somebody like that. Yeah, well, our promotion was a bit of a surprise to everyone. Really, we started the season extremely well and kept up that momentum all season which 
again was a surprise. I think everyone expected us to, to die away at some point, but that never really happened. People were saying injuries and suspensions will come along and that will derail your season. And when injuries and suspensions came, we just carried on doing exactly the same as what we were doing. So, yeah, massive surprise, huge achievement for everyone at the club, but new challenge starts very soon, I suppose. Mm, that's the thing, isn't it? When you, I mean, we, we've had promotions at Sunderland here like that. Um, I mean, going back as far as when Peter Reid first came, and that, that was a side that nearly got relegated from the second tier and then he got us promoted next season and suddenly you know the euphoria of getting promoted um, kind of pass, passes doesn't it and then suddenly you're, you're left with a little bit of anxiety as if to say like right who we're going to sign how we're going to um, just make a fist of things really yeah well we had a, a big kerfuffle over our season tickets right at the start of the summer they've introduced the thing that they've called retaining that basically means you have to put a down payment down on next season's ticket as well so that caused a lot of bad feelings so a lot of the euphoria promotion went away very soon <laughs> after that but yeah I think the fact that it's our second promotion to the Premier League in the last five six years a lot of us have seen it before like we know what to expect so it, it doesn't feel quite the same as last time anyway because it, it's not new anymore What's the transfer activity been like thus far? It's, it's been a bit mixed I think we've, we've added some experienced pros on, on free transfers like Matt Taylor Stephen Reid Matt Gilks they're all fine as cover we haven't really brought in anyone exciting that's going to really take the team on to another level no one even that you would expect will be in the, in the team when everyone's fit so there's a, a little bit of concern over that but there's a couple of big deals that look like they still could be on the cards Craig Dawson the West Brom defender we're apparently in for him and I think still think we're chasing Troy Deeney at Watford so we seem to have done all the cheap ones early in the summer and holding back a little bit for hopefully a couple of big ones before the, the big kick-off in August It often gets a bit frustrating for fans doesn't it when, when you're in that situation I remember when we came up under Roy Keane which was the last time we were promoted seven years ago and he signed a lot of you know players from the Championship or players who appear to be on the way down and Although that's probably necessary, you have to be realistic. But sometimes it just some of the fans can overreact a little bit, Cartner, and um, start to panic and worry. What, what do you think the mood's like? It's difficult to say, really. I mean, everyone would have loved to go out and spend four or five million on three or four different players and players that were going to go straight into the team, players that we'd be able to develop and sell on. But the reality is, even with promotion, we don't really have the finances to go out and do that. We, going to be competing with teams that have got a lot more to spend so we have to be a bit more a bit more cute in some of the players we go after I think that's why Lucas Jokovic was the player that we turned to eventually just because he, he's someone who we can maybe someone a bit like a rough diamond that we can polish up a little bit because when teams like Watford are asking 10 million for Troy Dean it just makes it incredibly difficult to do any business and when players like Ross McCormack are going for 11 million at championship clubs it just shows how crazy the market is these days certainly is the signing British players do you, um, how how important are you expecting turf mode to be this season and I've been there a few times and you, you know you can get re- you can really get behind your team when you get going that's for sure well I think there was only us in Chelsea unbeaten until about March April last season so yeah it's going to be massively important having that that home record hopefully we'll have a full ground most weeks if not every week and that'll make a big difference I think last last time we were in the Premier League, we only won one game away from home. So it might be the case actually that our away form is more important because we'll be expecting to pick up points at home. It'll be whether we're able to get results on the road as well that might make all the difference. What's the situation with Sean Dyche? Is he is his contract running out? Am I right in thinking that? It's it's really up in the air. It's, they announced he signed a new contract, but didn't say if it was an extension. So the fact that they didn't say it's an extension leads you to assume that it's not an extension. <laughs> so no one knows when his contract runs out. His, his original one would have run out next summer. So everyone sort of assumes that that's still the case. The, the statement was really oddly worded. They said something about all details will remain between the board of directors and the manager. Like, well, it's fairly standard for everyone to know how long the contract is. Mm. So, yeah, I think we still in a position where he might get poached by someone during the season but hopefully it can't go any worse than last time when we ended up with Brian Walls so. <laughs> yeah I remember that well uh, what are the owners like though because it's it's 
it's quite a, a, a popular thing now. You see that promoted sides go up and they they don't get off to the best start. They start losing some games. You know, perfect example is Cardiff last season, is it? The owners start to panic, get rid of the manager, which isn't always a good isn't always a good thing, yeah. is it? Yeah, well, I think the key thing for us is that they're all they're all local, they're all Burnley fans, they're all got the best interest of the club at heart. I don't think we're going to see a situation like clubs like Cardiff where they've got foreign owners who are just in it for the money, probably. So I would suspect that we would keep faith with Dice, even if it was a situation where we were bottom of the league at Christmas with only a handful of points. I don't think we'd be panicking and trying to get somebody else in to change it. I think because our promotion was so unexpected, there is the anticipation that we are going to have a relegation battle and if we do come down again, it'll be a case of just trying to make sure that we rebuild and try and become that yo-yo club sort of West Brom of a few years ago. Mm, like Sunderland used to be. Um, what uh, where, do you think you'll stay up? I'm hopeful at the minute. I'd like to see a couple more signings that would really go straight into the first team. I think we're short of we're going to be short of goals unless we're bringing someone, but I think all teams in the bottom half are going to be thinking the same. I think we need a long-term partner at the back of Jason Shackle. We need some extra cover in midfield. So even with a month to go, we're planning three or four more new signings. Um, it's difficult to say this early. I think you can pinpoint half a dozen sides that we can try and target finishing above. Sunderland would probably be one of them. I think Southampton might be struggles this season. You've got the smart team as well. It's all about how you do against these teams around you in the table. Last time we were in the Premier League, we were beating teams like Manchester United and Everton at home, but then not getting any results away. So all the teams around us at the bottom were beating us when we went to their place. So the six pointers, we weren't getting anything from them. So I think our running was quite tough. We've got two or three teams that you would expect to be down there as well, and they're away. So as long as we're in the mix, then we've got a chance. But Thanks to Jamie there. Okay, Richard, is it a sad state of affairs that we have to pay loose attention to what sides like Burnley do? Because the way you've got to think of a Sunderland fan <laughs> as a Sunderland fan at the minute is, let's look for three worse teams than us. Are we still to think in that, Gareth, or am I being really negative and pessimistic? Yeah, I, was, I was interested when he was talking about um, big signings and he mentioned um, Sordell. Uh, sorry, not Sordell. Um, they've already signed him. Um, Deeney. Deeney. Um, and stuff like that. And kind of had that feeling about when Roy, we got promoted under Roy Keane and he kind of dipped in and spent a lot of money in the championship on those types of players and I don't know if that's the that's what you've got to do though it's, a, it's like a stepping stone I mean, isn't it sorry to, like, to throw like a cliched analogy they've, I mean, there, they've signed Jukovic and Sordell if they lose Ings and they're relying on Dini and those two as the main strikers I've, I've watched a lot of Jukovic obviously covering Middlesbrough and He's a he's he's a good hard working player, but I think he would say he would be one of the first to say he's not. I don't think he's Premier League. Um, he's he's a little bit agricultural. Cost a million quid as well, didn't he? Two point two five. Oh, really? The Middlesbrough wow. played one point three for him, so they made a profit on a player that that barely played last season. And the, the, he was on loan. He was on loan at Bolton, wasn't he? So that's yeah. a bit of a. Bolton did one on permanently, but again, you know, in context, they aren't in the Premier League either. The, the Burnley squad. Pretty good, um, but they, they haven't got any individual kind of greats. So, so they've got a lot of shopping to do over the summer, and they'll be fishing in the same ponds as Sunderland will be. Um, that's just the, the harsh reality of it. Mm, I think we might. I wouldn't say Harrods like Steve Bruce did, but I think uh, Harrods. We shop from a more expensive shelf, I would say, than Burnley. But um, have, we, have we got a who's better, Messi or Ronaldo this week? Um, I've got one. I've no. got it all queued up. Have you? I was wondering what you were trying to, uh, what, what the visual cue We've was. We've got there. a minute and a half. But we haven't really got time to do it. We'll finish on the summer thing. We'll uh, we'll come up with a really good one next week because that's a feature we can keep. We can keep, isn't it? Um, Richard, I think it might have been on the first ever podcast we did. Certainly the first one you ever done. Our first ever guest, where you said that Sunderland needed to sort of find a way of breaking the inevitable struggle they have every year. Yeah. Um, since then, we've stayed up by stayed up by the skin of our teeth twice. Yeah. It's always it seems like a bit of a slow uphill walk, doesn't it? And De Canio has proved there's no quick fix, but just quickly, how, how can we? What can we do? I think fifty seconds. I think all all Sunderland fans will 
I, I, I understand would want to see is progress, just year on year progress. There never seems to be that, and I'm probably making the same point I made two years ago. But there has there hasn't been year on year progress. It always seems to be boom and bust. And for once, it looks like and I probably said this last time as well. <laughs> looks like they're trying to build something. They've got a structure. They've got they've got building blocks, and they're trying to build something. So year on year progress is all they can ask for. Problem is when you get the Icarus syndrome of kind of going, well, we finished in the top half now. Let's kick on to the next level. That's when that's when they kind of bust and then fall down the league, just like West Brom did last season. It's a, it's a similar situation. Expecting a relegation battle just quickly? No, I'm not. No, personally, no. Just Mid-table treading, just treading water above mid-table mediocrity. Yeah, how we all strive for that word. Those words, mid-table mediocrity. Say that all the time on the show, don't I? Right. I'd like to thank um, Richard Mays for coming on. We'll be back next week as well when the friendlies start. Over and out. We are spies. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.